do, do keep that open uh, in front of you and let me pray uh, before we look at it together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you are uh, a speaking God. I pray that you give us ears and hearts uh, to hear from you this morning. Amen. Have you ever had that experience when you're, you're not able to go to something your friends have been to? Uh, like you've not been able to go to a party or, or you've not been able to go on the trip that everyone was heading on. And then, then when people are all talking about it next time and you're all together, you can't help but look like the outsider. Uh, you're not on the jokes they're telling. You just laugh along awkwardly. You can't share in, in the memories that they're sharing. You might even slip to the edge of the circle or, or pretend that someone's messaged you on your phone and look distracted. Or, or maybe like me, you, you go to the toilet hoping that by the time you come back, They've changed the conversation. We don't like being on the outside of things, do we? We much prefer, much prefer to be on the inside, to be in with the group, to be in the know, to be part of what's happening. And there are lots of ways we can know we're on the inside of certain things, can't we? Maybe it's the way we dress, the football shirt we wear, the music we listen to, the books we read, the people we follow on social media. Maybe we know we're on the inside because of what we know. I saw a video the other day of a grandma uh, watching a Marvel film and taking notes so she'd be able to talk to her grandchildren about it, to be on the inside. There are ways we know if we're on the inside and outside of things. Well, the idea of being on the outside or inside is a theme that Mark is starting to draw on his gospel. Because what we see uh, is Jesus making something new. We heard, didn't we, that Jesus moves away from the crowd and he appoints 12 disciples. Verse 13, check it out. Jesus called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Why 12? You've asked that. Jesus' favorite number. Maybe it was just slim pickings and literally 12 was all he could gather together. No. It's not that, is it? See, what's pretty cool uh, is where it says he appointed 12, uh, the Greek is he made 12. Now, I can't read Greek. That's what a commentary told me. He made 12. Jesus is deliberately, purposefully making these 12 a group. He's pulling these seemingly ordinary, imperfect guys together into a new group of 12. Uh, And it's meant to take us and make us think back to the 12 tribes of Jacob from the Old Testament. See, in doing this, Jesus is calling these 12 into relationship with him, reconstructing Israel. Jesus, the Son of God, is making a new community, a new family. And I guess the question is, who's going to be part of it? What will it look like to be on the outside What will it look like to be on the inside? And that's what verses 20 to 35 start to help us understand. It's where we're going to spend our time this morning. And what we're going to see is how someone's place in this new incredible community is defined by how they respond to Jesus and his word. Three headings if you're you're someone who likes to keep count and know when we're coming to the end. Being on the outside looks like calling Jesus mad. Being on the outside looks like calling Jesus bad. Being on the inside looks like calling Jesus Lord. 
Let's, let's dive in. Being on the outside looks like calling Jesus mad. Uh, as Jesus heads into a crowded house, verse 20, Mark draws our attention to what his family think of what he's been doing. Verse 21, when his family heard about this, uh, they went to take charge of him, for they said he's out of his mind. They effectively call him mad, don't they? It, it sounds a bit like when a, a friend or family member says something absolutely ridiculous around a crowd, uh, and, and you put your arm around them and try and move them away, saying, I'm sure they don't really know what they're saying. They're really tired. It's been a busy week. I'm just going to take them home. But it's more than that here. It's more outrageous, given that Jesus is the Son of God. This is his family wanting to control him, wanting to rein him in. Uh, when Mark tells us they arrive to sort Jesus out in verse 31, they send someone to call Jesus. And the impression given is that Jesus should be obliging to their demands. It would seem they're wanting to restrain and control Jesus because they think some of what he's saying and doing is crazy. And Jesus' response is pretty shocking, verse 33, isn't it? Who are my mother and my brothers? It's one of those moments where I think it would be uh, where someone leans to the person next to them and says, that's awkward. Because it is, isn't it? It's, it's uncomfortable. These guys, they're the ones who by all accounts you would think are on the inside. But verse 31, look where they are stood. They are standing outside. Calling Jesus mad, seeking to control and restrain him. And I think we're meant to feel the quiet discomfort of that. Because although we might not call Jesus mad, maybe there are parts of the Bible we read and think are just a bit mad. Some of Jesus' words and teaching we find hard or we find challenging because they put us at such odds with culture, such odds with our friends around us. So rather than submit to it, we ignore or compromise on those bits. Now, I love, I love a good pick and mix, partly because I like the bags. Uh, but when I go to a pick and mix, which obviously happens all the time, uh, I love the little strawberries and I love the fizzy sweets. What you will never find in my pick and mix bag, because it does not belong there, is dolly mixture. It's disgraceful. We want to make sure, we want to make sure the Bible, God's words to us, does not become a pick and mix. Where we choose the bits we like and ignore the ones we don't. Because when we do that, we're seeking to control Jesus and rein him in. We need to be wary of that. And we need to say sorry to God if we do it. Being on the outside looks like calling Jesus mad. But come back into the narrative with me and see that between the sandwich of Jesus' family, Mark draws our attention to another group, the teachers of the law. And these guys, they help us see that being on the outside looks like calling Jesus bad. It's a more obvious one, isn't it? 
and less of a surprise that it's coming from the teachers of the law. They're the more obvious opponents of Jesus and they make their rejection of him pretty clear. Verse 22, uh, saying Jesus is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. In effect, Jesus is doing what he's doing because he's powered by Satan. Jesus isn't good, he's in fact evil. He isn't necessarily mad, but he's certainly bad. That's what they're saying. And yet Jesus' response is wonderfully simple in how it completely undermines that. Verse 24, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. We've seen already in Mark, Jesus has been overcoming evil spirits. We heard it again this morning in verse 11. How and why would he do that if he was being empowered by the evil one? It just doesn't make sense. It'd be like a football manager picking a goalkeeper to play, knowing, knowing he was going to let in the shots or look to score own goals himself. It doesn't make sense. Now instead, verse 27, Jesus reinforces who he actually is, the power he is actually having. He is the stronger man, the son of God who has come to tie up the strong man to defeat Satan. Uh, A lot of this imagery is from uh, what Isaiah uses when he speaks in the Old Testament about the mission of the servant of the Lord. Chapter 49, let me just read a few verses to you from it. Can plunder be taken from warriors or captives be rescued from the fierce? But this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh. They will be drunk on their own blood as with wine. Then all mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your savior, your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. That's who Jesus is. The mighty one who has come to liberate humanity from the power of Satan and sin. Liberate it before restoring it to be part of his new community. Denying that, rejecting Jesus, well, that will have grave implications. That's what the warning Jesus is giving in verses 28 and 29. By by calling Jesus evil, by saying he's motivated by Satan and not by God, they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They're committing a sin that cannot be forgiven, one that puts them outside the community Jesus is making. Sin that deserves judgment. And let's pause on just verse 29 for a second. Because it might be that someone reads that and is genuinely worried that they have committed that eternal sin. Can I say that the reality is that if anyone is is worried about committing that sin, they haven't done. Because it shows a sensitivity to repentance. It shows the need for forgiveness. And remember this, there is no evidence in scripture of someone genuinely asking for forgiveness from God and not receiving it. We don't want to read verse 29 and miss how beautiful verse 28 is. 
all our sins can be forgiven through Jesus. Uh, And if you're sat here this morning uh, and you've never thought about that, can I encourage you to keep coming back? Keep coming back as we continue through Mark because you'll hear more of the amazing hope that Jesus holds out to us. The eternal sin is a perpetual unbelief that refuses to call what Jesus does good and refuses to come to him for the forgiveness we all need. You see, forgiveness can only come if you embrace the one who has the power to bring it to you, and that is Jesus. Continually and deliberately rejecting Jesus, calling him bad, is rejecting the power and forgiveness of God, and so the community that he is making through Jesus. Being on the outside looks like calling Jesus mad, and it looks like calling Jesus bad. What then does being on the inside look like? Well, that brings us to the final few verses of our passage and final heading this morning. Being on the inside looks like calling Jesus Lord. Let me read verses 33 to 35 for us again. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. What does it look like to be part of this new community Jesus is making? Well, in some ways it's quite simple. It will look like seeking to do God's will. And where are the people finding that? Where are they sat? They sat around Jesus, watching, listening, trusting his word because that's where God's will is revealed and defined. Coming to Jesus, living with him as Lord will lead to doing God's will. And that invitation, that invitation to come to Jesus, to receive his forgiveness and follow him as he directs our lives in obedience to God's will, that is there for us. That is what it will look like to be part of the community Jesus is building today. We listen to Jesus and we see all he did as we read his word, gathered together on a Sunday, on our own during the week, submitting to and living with Jesus as Lord. Having him, through his word, establish our values, guide our thinking, and direct how we act. We won't always get that right. We know that, don't we? So often we will look to other things for that. We'll look to our phones, films, music, friends, teachers, We'll look to ourselves, so often I just do what I want to do. But as we do look to do God's will, what we'll start to ask more and more, pathfinders and graftees as you head to school, as others of us head to work, as we spend time with friends and family out and about or at home, what we will start to ask more and more is how will God have me speak? How will God have me think? How will God have me act here. And we'll find that as we look to and listen to Jesus. That's how we can do God's will. That's what it will look like to be on the inside of the community 
he is building. And here is what has blown my mind this week uh, as I've spent time in it. Here's what's blown my mind most of all because do you see what Jesus calls those people who do that? Who seek to do God's will, who listen to and try and live out his word. Do you see it? Jesus calls those people family. He calls those people his family. Just take a second and let that sink in. Jesus, the son of God, invites us to follow him and live lives obedient to God as part of his family. Now, I think Grace, our five-week-old daughter, has been born into a pretty all right family. Her mum's a bit of a legend. Her brother and sister, I think, are going to be solid ones. The only downside is me, a little bit. But being part of Jesus' family, well, that's so much more incredible, isn't it? I mean, we can call and speak to God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, as our Father, just as Jesus does. Whatever is going on in your life, if you're in the middle of mock exams, applying to uni, planning gap years, cracking on with work, or maybe just feeling weighed down by the way the world is at the moment, you can bring anything to your heavenly father, knowing he listens, knowing that you are a child of God and your heavenly father loves you. Is that in your mind as you pray? And then you realize also that it means we can call one another family. I love the Paddington films. Uh, And here is a clip from the end of the first one. Not so fast. (gasps) Come on. Hand over the bear. No. We won't do that. Mrs. Brown? He's family. Family? You're not even the same species. It's true. It is true. And when I first met Paddington, I wanted nothing to do with him. But my wonderful wife, she opened her heart to him, and so did my incredible children. And now I have two. It doesn't matter that he comes from the other side of the world, or that he's a different species, or that he has a worrying marmalade habit. We love Paddington, and that makes him family. And families stick together. So if you want him, you'll have to take us all. Such a feel-good film, Paddington, isn't it? Look around the room now. Look around the room. Actually, look around. Actually, look around. And you will see Pathfinders, 11, all the way through to seniors. And I won't say their age but they're almost like different species. (laughs) Look around the room and you will see people from around the world. You might even see people with worrying marmalade habits. I don't know. God's love, God's love in Jesus pulls us together as family. We are brothers and sisters who can comfort one another in the hard times, rejoice in the good, and help each other as we seek to follow Jesus and do God's will. Is that how you see the people sat around you now? 
Jesus is making a new community. Being on the inside looks like calling Jesus Lord, doing God's will through listening to his word and seeking to live it out as family. I'm gonna invite the band uh, to come back up because it, it's just incredible, isn't it? It is just incredible that as Jesus builds his community, as he builds his kingdom, as he builds his family, we are invited to be a part of it. We can be on the inside, living the life God would have us live, one that is good and is eternal together. Brothers and sisters, that is reason, isn't it, to praise and thank our Heavenly Father. Uh, And we're going to do that now as we stand and sing our final song together. So please do stand as the band starts.